More from the Media First blog. One of the best ways to prepare for a crisis can be to learn from how others handle the spotlight. Now, that can be particularly tough when a crisis is based on human tragedy. As we all know, the Nicola Bully case has dominated the news. It held public attention in a way that's rarely seen in missing person inquiries. And at times, speculation about what had happened was rampant. But despite the interest that surrounded the case, much of the communication about it left a lot to be desired. Now, I would imagine I led the comms on around 100 missing person appeals during my time as a police communications manager. More people go missing than you might think. The majority of these cases were covered by regional media. But occasionally, these cases grabbed the attention of the national media and investigations were protracted. Like any form of crisis communication, that is something police forces need to prepare for. And part of that preparation should involve ensuring the investigation leads the narrative. But that didn't happen in the case of the mother of two from Lancashire. Instead, a mix of speculation, gossip, social media sleuths, armchair detectives and people brought in to assist the search just took over. Now, one of the most interesting parts of the case from a comms perspective was the involvement of Peter Falding, an underwater search expert. At times, you'd have been forgiven for thinking he was the spokesperson for the investigation. He gave numerous broadcast and print interviews. And sometimes he gave several updates a day. Now, was it helpful to police that he said if his team could not locate Nicola in the river, he would not rule out third-party involvement in her disappearance? Or when he said that Nicola's phone, left on a nearby park bench, could have been a decoy? Well, here are a few examples of the headlines and storylines his involvement generated. The Independent said, Forensic search expert convinced Nicola Bully not in river, as he names items used as a decoy. From the Sun, Grim Hunt, Nicola Bully expert Peter Falding, reveals list of sites where you could park car and bury body without being seen. And from the Daily Mail, diving expert Peter Falding appears to blame cops for failing to find body in hunt for Nicola Bully. In another interview, he shared a conversation that Paul Ansell, Nicola's partner, had undertaken about the investigation, in which Paul shared his frustrations and complained about a lack of imagination and willpower. Again, hardly a helpful intervention. In another interview, he shared a conversation that Paul Ansell, Nicola's partner, had undertaken about the investigation, in which he shared his frustrations and complained about a lack of imagination and willpower. Again, hardly a helpful intervention, and all of this added to the circus that sadly surrounded the tragedy. But this is what happens when organisations in the spotlight and in crisis media management mode offer little that's official to report. Speculation and gossip fill the vacuum. And in the age of 24-hour news and social media, speculation travels far and wide, especially when the public is heavily invested in the story. And such was the level of speculation in this case that police had to issue dispersal orders to remove social media influencers. And all of this conjecture and amateur theories appeared to influence what police said as it moved from a main working hypothesis to having more than 500 lines of inquiry. When Lancashire Police did appear to try to retake some control of the story, it turned into a reputational disaster. In all the missing person investigations I worked on, I can't recall ever releasing sensitive personal details beyond saying someone may have dementia because it could impact their whereabouts and how they appear, 
or that they're believed not to have the medication they need with them because they could become ill very quickly. The decision on what to release and what to leave out is taken by those leading the investigation and the press office. But details such as dementia and medication were released at the start because they could help those people be found more quickly. Police deciding three weeks into this search to release information about Nicola's issues with alcohol and the menopause felt like a massive invasion of privacy, and it was hard to see how releasing the information so long into the search could help find her. But even then, the messaging was muddled. Initially, police spoke about a number of specific vulnerabilities that saw Nicola being classified as a high-risk missing person. Asked during a press conference what those vulnerabilities were, police said it was private, personal information. Yet, a few hours later, police disclosed she had issues brought on by her ongoing struggles with the menopause. It added, and I quote, It's an unusual step for us to take to go into this level of detail about someone's private life, but we felt it was important to clarify what we meant when we talked about vulnerabilities to avoid any further speculation or misinterpretation. Of course, if you talk vaguely about someone's vulnerabilities, it seems inevitable media will try to piece information together and elaborate on what had been disclosed. And that move caused a furious backlash. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak said he was concerned about the release of this personal information. Mandu Reid, leader of the Women's Equality Party, said police had weaponized that Nicola was menopausal to justify her disappearance. Elizabeth Carr Ellis, co-founder of the Know Your Menopause campaign, said, I quote, They have made her sound like a crazy woman. Dame Vera Baird, the former Victims Commissioner, said the release of the information was as sexist as it comes. Had a man been missing for several weeks, would police confirm they'd turned to alcohol as they struggled with a sensitive issue like erectile dysfunction or a low sperm count? Well, the backdrop to this tragic case is that confidence and trust in police is crumbling amid scandals and botched investigations. A recent YouGov poll showed that 51% of Londoners, for example, don't trust the Metropolitan Police. Another YouGov survey at the end of last year showed that more people are now unconfident then they are confident in the police to deal with crime in their area. And the communication around this case is unlikely to positively impact these surveys. Lancashire Police is now the subject of probes by the College of Policing, the Independent Office for Police Conduct and the Information Commissioner's Office. Whatever the outcome of these reviews, public perception is that the investigation was botched and trust will not be easily rebuilt. And that's a vital crisis communication lesson for all organisations to remember from this tragedy. Read and hear more from our blog at mediafirst.co.uk. Media First, specialists in communication training.